You are listening to the Fantasy Doctors Major League Baseball Podcast, where we use our expertise in the world of sports, as well as medicine, to bring you the most up-to-date injury news and analysis. Hello and welcome to Episode 8 of the Fantasy Doctors Major League Baseball Podcast, where we're going to talk about some Major League Baseball injuries and their implications on your fantasy baseball team. Again, this is Episode 8. We're in the middle of the month of August as we sit here tonight recording this on August 13th. And the season's just absolutely flying by. My name is Brandon Bowers. I'm a doctor of physical therapy in Columbus, Ohio. And joining me, as always, is newly having passed his boards, doctor of physical therapy, Aaron Berger, out in Pennsylvania. Aaron, you've got to feel, be feeling on top of the world tonight and really the, the past week and a half with this board exam in the rearview mirror, and you're getting ready to start your career. Yeah, man. Cue the uh, celebratory music. We're ready to rock and roll. Big weight off the shoulders for sure. And yeah, just uh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on again, man. Episode eight, can't believe it, man. It's flown, it's flying by. Episode eight, we're just cruising by. Be sure to tell the listeners, reach out to Aaron on Twitter and offer him uh, your congratulations. I believe it's at Aaron Berger. I always do this at the end of the show. At Aaron Berger, where we at here underscore PT. So yeah, reach out to him PT. and offer him your congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. For sure. Thanks sure for having thing. me. Uh, I'm part of the Cool Kid Club. We were talking before the show. I'm, Finally, with the, with the big boys now, you know. There we go. Welcome, welcome to the welcome to Showtime here. I'll let you kick things off, Aaron. Diving in with Luke Voigt. Yeah, it's it's been a while since we've had any new injuries for the Yankees. Uh, we had to break that streak tonight here on the Fantasy Doctors MLB podcast. Heading over to Luke Voigt, first baseman for the New York Yankees, dealing with a core muscle injury. He was placed on a ten day IL on July thirty first. Um, so anytime we hear about these core muscle injuries, we're thinking sports hernia. And that is indeed what is it's reported to be. Um, but you know this, Brandon. We think of hernias, and we think of the the a part of the the visceral organ kind of coming through an opening that is not supposed to come through, right? But mm-hmm. sports hernias aren't actually a true hernia. Um, it actually involves the core musculature, commonly a, the oblique muscle, which run, runs along the side of the trunk. Um, it's where these muscles attach to the pubic bone, uh, more commonly than not. Um, and it's either a weakening or a tearing of this muscular wall. Um, usually we, we see surgery uh, for, for a sports hernia. Um, this is very common in, in both football and bat, uh, baseball players. Um, like I said, surgery is common, but Luke Void's going to proceed without surgery. He's hoping to uh, stay away from the knife. Um, he resumed running on Thursday, August 8th. Um, he hit today, uh, August 13th. I didn't hear any news about that, so you have to assume that it went well. Um, he missed something just as of note with this season, he missed two weeks, two weeks um, between late June and mid July because of an abdominal strain. So you, you have to wonder if that kind of predisposed him to something like this, if we're having that weakening of the, uh, of the muscular wall um, and, and any further tearing just uh, that, that would lend itself to believe that, that, um, that, that strain in mid July may have uh, predisposed him to this. Yeah, it certainly could have in any time. We're dealing with a core muscle injury in a baseball player. Having chatted about this on previous shows, for those of you who are new to the program, I mean, the, the core, as we would anticipate with throwing and with batting, plays an important role. So he had the abdominal strain earlier this season, and now this sports hernia. It's just not what you want to hear for a guy who has to do a lot of rotary motions with, with throwing and with batting here. So, I mean, it really is a big deal, and uh, hopefully he continues to progress nicely. David Dahl for the Colorado Rockies sustained an ankle sprain that was actually graded as a high ankle sprain. This was back on August 2nd. He had to be carted off the field. This was just 11 days ago. He was placed on the injured list the next day on August 3rd. 
and he's currently working his way through the rehab process initially following the injury he had been sent out to Arizona and had been rehabbing out there and they were looking at a, to determine a more definitive timetable and, and timeline for him I haven't seen any formal updates over the past couple of days other than what the team offered initially uh, but with these high ankle sprains Aaron as you know this is involving an injury to the syndesmosis that sits right above the ankle joint and syndesmosis right above the ankle is is a pretty stable juncture there and when we get a sprain overstretch or separation of the syndesmosis it, it, it's a big deal and that, that, that syndesmosis then becomes unstable and can cause high volumes of pain and so usually with these high ankle sprains the rehab process is significantly longer than a traditional low ankle sprain so on the shorter end of things here for David Dahl we're looking at four to six weeks at minimum um, so it's certainly going to move a little bit slower. And then if we're dealing with a more severe high ankle sprain, then that could prolong the recovery process. In the most severe cases, we, when we get a real separation of that syndesmosis, sometimes they'll, they'll go in and surgically repair the syndesmosis by more or less zip tying it back together uh, with a little bit of hardware. And then they rehab after that. There's no indication that's the case here yet for David Dahl but I would expect him to be out four to six weeks at minimum prior to you see him making any return out there for the Rockies. Edwin Encarnacion, Yankee number two, out of our first three guys we've discussed on the podcast tonight, we're diving into the Yankees deep here with Encarnacion at number three. Yeah, they just can't seem to get rid of the injury bug, right? And it's tough. Um, another first baseman here for the Yankees, like, like you were saying, Edwin Encarnacion, dealing with a right wrist fracture. He was hit by a pitch on Saturday, August 3rd, and he was placed on the 10-day IL the same day. Um, the, the Yankees medical staff obviously put him through a series of tests and imaging, including x-ray. Um, the x-ray was negative for a fracture, but as you know, Brandon, these, um, these hairline fractures, which is, which, which is what uh, Encarnacion has, where we don't, they, don't, they don't typically see that on an x-ray. Um, they actually put him through a CT scan, and that did indeed pick up the fracture. Um, so, so it's his right wrist. Um, so... He's a right-handed hitter, so that's his backside wrist coming through the ball, and he's a pretty powerful hitter. So you wonder how this is going to affect him coming down the stretch here. Um, we're looking at a four- to six-week return to play time. Um, the, actually, the day after, he actually gave himself a three-to-week or three-to-five-week return to play time with his extensive medical degree that he has. <laughs> but you got to give it up to him. He has confidence in himself, which is good. Um, yeah, um, we should be seeing him within a month a month and a week um, as the Yankees have a, a strong grasp on the AL East, but yeah, they just can't seem to stay healthy. And you, like I was saying, you want being such a power hitter, you wonder how this is going to affect him coming down the stretch with that hairline fracture. And, he, and you just, you know, the, the, the forces that come through the wrist during the baseball swing catch one off the end of the bat. I'm sure that's not going to feel too great for, uh, for an incarnation. I mean, a guy, a guy who's got to generate a lot of power and then, and then missing this time that he is missing. He's, he's, I mean, right now, trying to get back into the swing of things when, when he gets to that point and he has to get his swing going again and just get back in the groove of things. So there, there's going to be a little bit of a period of time where I think he, he may struggle when he comes back initially just trying to find his rhythm and, and find that power again. So I th certainly think being the fact that it is to his wrist, it, it will play a role initially. But then obviously the Yankees hoping that in the, in the long run there, there's, there's no issue as they make the push for the playoffs and then into the postseason. Absolutely. Aaron Hicks, Yankee number three out of our first four. Um, pretty crazy that we've had so many of them tonight after a little bit of a lull the past few episodes. Dealing with yeah. a flexor strain, this is in his uh, throwing arm. Um, typically, 
uh, when these occur, there is a little bit of concern for an ulnar collateral ligament injury or that UCL. Fortunately for Hicks, the MRI was negative for involvement of that UCL. He was placed on the injured list on Sunday, August 4th. And the initial expectation was that he was going to be shut down from throwing and then return to throwing seven to 10 days from the injury. Well, as we sit here today, this is now day nine post-injury, and the, the Yankees have not indicated that he has returned to throwing yet. So it doesn't look like he's quite ready to get back to that point when we're looking at an elbow or even a shoulder in a thrower. Obviously, they both play a very important role in the throwing motion. And for Hicks, he, I mean, he's not a pitcher, so his elbow isn't going to be stressed as much and at the, at the volume that it is for a pitcher, but still a very important area and very sensitive area. On the short end of things for these flexor strains, we're looking at two to four weeks. But sometimes these can last upward of six to eight in more, in more severe situations. And it's just something to monitor. The Yankees, as you mentioned, Aaron, have kind of a stranglehold on that AL East. And so there may not necessarily be a rush to get Hicks back, but certainly a key guy they like to have in their lineup when he is healthy can be quite effective out there for them in the Bronx. Definitely. Moving out west a little bit to the NL Central, Derek Dietrich for the Cincinnati Reds, dealing with some left shoulder inflammation from a vigorous bat toss. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I, was, I was reading up on this one, Brandon, and I couldn't find an exact mechanism of injury for, for Dietrich, um, but anytime we're dealing with any shoulder inflammation, it's on his left shoulder and he throws with his right hand, so that, uh, that, that's a good sign already. So you, you have to think it's just from repetitive swinging. Um, from the dog days of summer, you know, they have long seasons. He was placed on the 10-day IL on August 5th. Um, throws with his right, like I was saying, so it's likely from swinging. Um, so I, I don't think that they're too concerned about Dietrich. Actually, I did some digging on Twitter, and um, three days after he was placed on, on the IL, he, they, they did a ceremonial first serve with his girlfriend, Monica Puig, who was the Olympic gold medalist from Puerto Rico for tennis. And uh, so, so he was at home plate, and she kind of served like like a tennis ball right to him, right, uh -huh. right down the middle. Yeah, very different than a 50-cent first pitch or something like that, right down the middle. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll come back after uh, the 10-day stint is up. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried about this one considering it isn't his throwing shoulder. But if it was on his right shoulder, then the alarms would start ringing. Uh, this season he has an eight, 863 OPS with a career-high 19 home runs in 98 games. So expect to see him back soon for the, for the Reds. Uh, yeah. I think that you bring up a good point that is to his non-throwing shoulder. So that usually allows these guys to come back at a little bit faster rate, obviously, than it would be if it were, if it were to his throwing shoulder. So staying within the NL Central, Craig Kimbrell for the Chicago Cubs. Some knee inflammation he has had going on, been on the injured list since August 5th. He was scheduled to throw a bullpen sometime this week. I'm not sure if that has occurred just yet. Uh, they were looking at potentially bringing him off the injured list tomorrow, provided his bullpen went well. Uh, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case, that he'll be off the injured list tomorrow. But this weekend, per Craig Kimbrell, seems to be a little bit more realistic. So provided everything goes well with the rehab this week and his bullpen, expect to see him back uh, for the Cubs in Chicago this weekend. And really – uh, with the knee inflammation, just uh, making sure that they address the source of the inflammation, making sure his hips, his quad, and what have you all nice and strong, get some of that swelling out of there, and he should be good to go. So I expect to see him back sometime by the end of this week. Good news for, uh, for him, for sure. Staying in New York with Robinson Cano and the New York Mets. 
Yeah, I, th- I think from us talking all that smack on F. Scott, I think that got the Mets a little fired up. They're making a run here in the NL East and the NL Wild Card. They're red hot right now. So I, I don't think we can make fun of F. Scott anymore. Yeah, they're looking darn good. They are. What isn't looking good is Robinson Cano's left hamstring. Uh, he was playing against my ex-team, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, hit, a, hit a nice double and came up in between first and second while he was legging out said double and grabbed the back of his left thigh. He's a 36-year-old, and anytime you see somebody grabbing the back of their thigh, that's never a good sign. Uh, MRI confirmed a left hamstring strain. Uh, we're looking at a grade three here, full thickness tear of that hamstring. He was placed on the 10-day IL on August 5th, but likely will be shut down for the season given his age. Um, and, and the fact that it is a grade three, a, a full rupture of that hamstring. Uh, to, he, he was starting to heat up a little bit. He had like four multi-hit games in a row, um, Cano did. So he's had multi multiple stints on the IL this season with quadricep strains and that's on the front of the leg. But as we know, the hamstring is on the back of the leg, helps to bend the knee and also extend the hip uh, also used for, for deceleration. So you, you commonly see this guys be, uh, busting it out of the box and they get down to first base and right before they, they hit first base, they'll grab the back of their leg from slowing down or even extending out for that bag with that, with that leg. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's a common mechanism of injury here. It happened to be, he was trying to leg out a double for going from first to third. And you just hate to see it. He's a great talent, uh, been through some controversial things, been on a few different teams, but you never want to see this for uh, Robbie Cano. I mean, he's, he's a guy that by sports standards is, is kind of at an advanced age, uh, for lack of a better term. And the, the soft tissue injuries just to see up seem to crop up more and more for these guys that are getting up there in age have been around a little bit you mentioned he dealt with the quad and now the hamstring and it's just an unfortunate blow here for Robbie Cano and the Mets Byron Buxton for the Minnesota Twins dealing with an injury that we talked about on last episode of the show with Aldoberto Mondesi and the Royals which we'll go back to here in a little bit uh, but a shoulder subluxation here for Byron Buxton this occurred on August 3rd the team initially indicated that he's going to miss considerable time. Just to review, for those of you who didn't listen to Episode 7, a, a subluxation of any joint is, is a partial dislocation that then relocates itself as opposed to a dislocation. The joint surfaces lose complete contact, and then the joint has to be relocated. So I've dealt with this myself with a shoulder dislocation and a few subluxations thereafter. It's not fun. It hurts. Rehab can be a little tough. Buxton was hitting 262 with 10 homers and 46 RBI so far this season. And it's looking like there was an update provided from manager Rocco Baldelli earlier today. It looks like that uh, Buxton is getting closer to facing pitching and starting to take some swings off of of live pitchers, but he's not quite there yet. So just going based off of that report from Baldelli, I I would estimate that Buxton's still another two to three weeks away. Um, I would look for him not to be back before the end of August, but I think sometime during September as they head down the stretch run trying to fend off my Indians in the AL Central, uh, we can see him back next month. But he's progressing well. He's getting better, but he's not quite ready to make a full return uh, to big league action just yet. Yeah, speaking of red-hot teams, Brandon, those Indians looking great. They've been looking real good. I mean, they had a stretch uh, here against some quality teams. I've got them on here in the back right now, taking on on the Red Sox, down 2-1, currently going up against the, the great Chris Sale, which I saw earlier this evening. He became the fastest pitcher in Major League Baseball history to, to hit 2,000 strikeouts. So, wow, a pretty, pretty neat accomplishment there for Sale. So, top of the fifth, down 2-1, and we'll see what my tribe can do. Sam Manea heading out to the West Coast, West Coast pitcher for the Oakland Athletics. He was a, I, I, did, I did a deep dive on this guy, Brandon. I, I texted you before the show. 
I said I had some zingers today. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, so Sam Manea, first-round pick in 2013 for the Oakland Athletics. Played baseball for the Indiana, Indiana State Sycamores, actually. Didn't know that. Notable alumni include Larry Bird, Sean Payton, John Wooden. And this is the best one out of – this is definitely their most notable alumni. Former Pittsburgh Pirates shortstop Clint Barnes. So, oh, wow. Yeah, definitely the first one you think of whenever you think of Indiana State Sycamores. <laughs> so, Manea was working his way back from a labor tear in his pitching shoulder last September. So we're almost a year away, a year removed from that. Um, throwing on, he threw on flat ground uh, while increasing distance, throwing off the mounds, and, you know, the game, the rehab starts. That's, that's typically your, your process for any shoulder injury in a, in a pitcher or um, in a position player, just minus throwing off the mound and the simulated games and whatnot. Uh, but during his rehab process, he actually sustained a strained oblique um, during a rehab start in June. Wasn't considered major at the time, um, so he continued his rehab uh, assignment. He was shut down on August 4th with soreness along that right side, that same side that he injured initially in June. Um, he was shut down for a week. And Brandon and all the listeners, we know any, any soft tissue injury, weak, eh, I don't know. That's, that's, that might be a little bit short. We're looking um, – we like to see like two to three weeks for any, if it's, if it's a minor grade one, just to make sure that, that those, uh, those structures are ready for, for increased stresses um, during, during a baseball game. Uh, but he, he, he's doing great through five and two-thirds innings of run, one run ball today uh, with with AAA uh, with 10Ks. So he's looking good. Um, I, I would estimate with, within a week or two, they want to get him up into the bigs. Um, so he's looking like he might come up within the week or two, as long as he doesn't have any setbacks with that oblique strain um, and the shoulders looking good. So if you're looking for a pitcher here along the, uh, along the home stretch here of the season, this might be a guy that you can look for. Is this a guy that may or may not be included in your waiver wire column? Uh, I didn't put him in there. Maybe that, that was a little uh, plug right there. I, don't, I didn't look up his ownership and stuff, but there you go. There's your sneak preview. I'll add him right now. <laughs> there you go. Wilson Contreras for the Chicago Cubs. Hamstring injury. He's expected to miss four to six weeks. This initially occurred while running to first base. This is exactly what you hit on just a few moments ago, Aaron. This occurred on August 3rd, which was last Saturday. Across 138 games so far this season, he was slashing 249, 339, and 390. And when we're looking at a four to six week return to play timetable, Typically, it's somewhere in the neck of the woods of, of a grade two type injury where we get a partial tearing of that hamstring, more than just a more than just a slight overstretch with a grade one injury. So this is more than likely a grade two injury in nature, and it's going to take him a little bit longer to come back. Being that he's now had this hamstring injury, there's going to be a high susceptibility for him the rest of the season and into the postseason that this thing barks at him again. So I wouldn't expect him to feel absolutely 100% until this offseason when he has time to really shut things down and really continue to rehab. And so the rest of the season, he should be able to come back, but I wouldn't expect him to be quite 100% just due to the nature and the severity of the injury. Max Scherzer for the Nationals, Aaron, a back injury for him out in Washington. What can you tell the listeners? Sure. Uh, he was placed on the 10-day IL retroactive to July 26th, and reports were calling it a rhomboid strain. Um, so the rhomboid is a muscle that kind of sits right in between your shoulder blades, helps them come together, just adds some scapular or shoulder blade stability, which we've talked about on the show. That shoulder blade is just an extension of the shoulder joint itself. And if you can build some stability around that shoulder blade, that's going to make pitching, throwing that much easier. And uh, the if you like, I, like I was saying, if you have more stability around that shoulder blade, 
the less that the, the shoulder joint, the glenohumeral joint itself has to work, right? It all starts with a stable base. Um, actually, Scherzer's only made one start since July 6th because of this ailment. So it's definitely, definitely impeding him a little bit through two plus innings of a simulated game today, August 13th. Um, and this was another, another, uh, I, was, I really did my research this time, Brandon. Sounded good, man. Yeah, no, he, he, he did a simulated game today, August 13th. He even had Anibal Sanchez come out to the mound with him, blaring his warm-up music. And here, here's where the deep dive comes in. I wanted to see what his entrance song is. He has different ones for hitting and pitching, considering he's in the National League. Uh, considering he's pitching, his, his entrance music is Still Dre by Dr. Dre. And what a better song to get pumped up to while you're doing a, a simulated game. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he, he threw 31 pitches today to a total of six batters. Uh, and then he threw, a, threw, he threw a few more to a, uh, with, without any batters in the box. I didn't see how it went. So you have to assume that it went well. Usually whenever things don't go well, reports come out right away. Um, he's being reevaluated tomorrow, but with muscle strains, depending on the severity, we'll look usually looking about anywhere from three to six weeks. Um, and yeah, you just want to get that strength back up, load it. So it's ready for, for the strains that it's going to go through while he's pitching while also respecting the pain, the, the pain mechanism. Um, and the response that you're getting. So, uh, like I said, he's only pitched one game since July 6th. So he might have, he's a real competitor. So he might have tried to come back a little too early. So I'm sure they're going to uh, be a little bit more cautious this time. So, yeah, that's Max Scherzer for you. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll continue to see how he progresses an electric arm when he's able to be out there and stay healthy. But like you said, I mean, he hasn't pitched mm-hmm. in a game in quite some time. So it always stinks when you see some of the, the better players in baseball on the shelf and on that injured list. For sure. Juan Soto staying in Washington, dealing with an ankle injury. This occurred August 11th, so two days ago against the Mets. He rolled his ankle while running the bases in that typical, we call an inversion pattern, which is that rolling of the ankle inward where the outside of your ankle sometimes can progress so far down that it touches the ground. X-rays, fortunately for Soto, were negative, and then they landed on the ankle sprain diagnosis. Presumably grade one in nature, but he was actually, Aaron, already back in the lineup tonight, so he didn't didn't miss much time. And so far on the evening, uh, when I looked this up while you were just uh, chatting about Scherzer, he actually had another at-bat. So now he's one for three so far with an RBI in the night. He was one for two going into that third at-bat, and he's also scored a run. So he's back in there doing his thing for the Nationals. Doesn't look like he'll have any sort of limitation here. Expect, even with a grade one sprain that only had him out a couple days, he's probably still going to feel a little sore and a little tender, maybe a little bit of swelling through that ankle. So Something to keep an eye on here initially, but it doesn't look like that, that, that this ankle is going to cause him any sort of difficulty here in the early stages as he makes his return. Good. He, he's, he's one of those guys, the, uh, like the under-22 crew, like, like Tatis Jr., Acuna, Soto, Guerrero. He's, like the, I was watching on LB Network yesterday. He's, these talents coming up, they're just different, man. It's, it's great to see for the game. They are, and it seems like it wasn't too long ago that we were talking about, like, hey, here's our under-22 crew, and at that time it was Lindors and your, your Correas, and, and you had that wave kind of come through. Now you got this next wave coming through, and, I mean, it, it's great to see all this young talent in the game. And it's not just one or two guys. I mean, there, there are five or six guys that just make you want to buy a ticket and go to a game or, or flip on the TV at night. So, I mean, it's definitely sure. refreshing to see these, these electric talents really making their way up to the bigs. Couldn't agree more. We're going to touch on some old injuries here. Alberto Mondesi, you were talking about him earlier with that left shoulder subluxation. It was great how you kind of distinguish between a, a subluxation and a true dislocation. 
Um, the injury occurred on July 16th, placed on the IL, had an MRI confirmed said subluxation. Um, just updating on, on last episode, episode seven, still performing light workouts and throwing. Uh, pain and inflammation continues to subside. And I, I was checking all the, all the Kansas City beat writers. There's still no timetable for his return. Uh, but the end of August is in the range of possibilities for sure. Um, just like you know this, Brandon, having dealt with this, likely working with some rotator cuff strengthening, just to, to make sure that that upper arm bone or that humerus is sitting in that socket um, as well as possible and just to um, kind of prevent any further subluxations because unfortunately if it happens once, um, it, it can definitely happen again. Just the, the congruency of that joint will forever be changed. The ligaments are a little bit more lax. So it's definitely something to look forward to. So you hope that never happens to Mondesi again. But yeah, the end of August is definitely in the range of possibilities over early September. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I see this clinically with patients, but I, me- I mentioned I had gone through this myself before with an additional full uh, initial full dislocation when I was a senior in high school, and then subsequent subluxations. And really, what it comes down to, Aaron, is and, and you know this exactly what we tell our patients: if I stay on top of my home exercise program and I'm taking care of my my rotator cuff and making sure everything's sitting nice, everything's nice and strong, then I do just fine. It's when I slack off my home program for a few weeks and I go to try and do something. It doesn't even necessarily have to be aggressive with, with my shoulder. Uh, then, oh, there's a little subluxation. It's sore for a couple of days, and that's a nice little reminder. Hey, home exercise programs are important, and I need to practice what I preach. There you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a MedBridge home exercise program just to, uh, just to remind you. <laughs> On a side note, MedBridge is absolutely fantastic. It's what we use as well. And I like how interactive it is. It's got the videos for the patient. It's absolutely phenomenal. So if there's any other PTs or MDs or anybody out there listening to this show and you're looking for a new home exercise program software, you're not happy with the one you're currently using, MedBridge is the way to go. No, they do not pay us anything for that little shameless plug, but MedBridge is where it's at. The unofficial sponsor of the Fantasy Doctors MLB podcast. There you have it. <laughs> Ryan Zimmerman, again, for the Nationals. We had a stretch of Yankees early on. Now we're going on a, on a stretch of Nationals here. Plantar fasciitis for Ryan Zimmerman. He's had a history of this injury in previous years. With his most recent bout, he's resumed swinging and jogging around the bases since we last spoke a couple weeks ago, Aaron. Initial injured list placement occurred three weeks ago, and his running has been quantified, I mean, for what this is worth, about 70 to 80% intensity per Zimmerman. He expects to be activated soon, whatever that means, uh, but there is no formal timetable. It sounds like he is getting closer. Joey Gallo, an outfielder for the Rangers. Um, I, I, was, I talked about him two weeks ago on the podcast, dealing with a right hamate fracture, and I kind of went into that, um, and that hamate kind of has a hook on it, Brandon, and that older nerve runs right underneath, that's your funny bone, not a, not a clinically acceptable term, but if, if we're talking about a layman's term, anytime you hear funny bone, that's your owner nerve. Um, he was placed on the 10-day IL on July 25th. Um, we're looking at least, at least a four-week absence, possibly longer, depending on his progress and neurological involvement. And I haven't seen any updates looking at the beat writers from the Rangers, um, so we have to assume things are going well. Best case scenario, we'll see him back at the end of August. Worst case he could be done for the year. If, if that owner nerves become entrapped, um, I think I think Marcus Mariota going to football, he, I think he had something going on with his owner nerve last year. He and did. Just, yeah, just impeded him all year. He had to wear a special glove and everything like that. Uh, the Rangers are 10 games behind in the wild card, 18 games behind in the AL West. So it's certainly not looking good for them. So Gallo is another one of those young talents who's supposed to be in the home run derby this year. He hit 500 feet. So he, he may be done. I don't want to speculate. It could be done for the year. 
Um, and that's just a tiny bone. And those, those, those wrist fractures can be, can be tough to heal from, especially as a baseball player. And like we were talking about two weeks ago, he's a left-handed hitter and that right, that where, where that bone sits is right where the knob of the bat is. So if he does come back, like we were talking about on the last episode, he could have like a bat modification just to decrease stress along the outside of his hand there. Yeah, I mean, if you if you guys didn't have a chance to check out that last episode, you can go back and listen to episode seven and go into a little bit more detail about the, the bat modification that's typically used, typically an axe handle. So we talk about that a little bit more in episode seven. So if you missed that, be sure to check that out. D. Gordon for the Mariners, a quad strain, was on the injured list since July 23rd. He was actually activated, Aaron, this past Saturday. And in the games uh, over the weekend, he had gone two for seven. That was games on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, since returning to the Mariners, he's been batting 280 across 79 games so far this season. So he hasn't played a, a ton of games, been, been, been able to appear in about half of the games here for the Mariners hitting 280. He has returned a soft tissue injury, as we've hit on earlier in this episode, something to keep an eye on, make sure this doesn't come back and bark at him again. If you come back prematurely in this situation, then there's certainly a higher risk of re-injury. But D. Gordon is back out in Seattle for the Mariners at this time. Dansby Swanson for the Braves, your new favorite team, foot contusion. What's going on there? My new favorite team was watching them right before we came on. They're, they're, uh, they have a series with the Mets, so that should be an interesting one. Two weeks ago, with Swanson was – so they didn't think it was that big of a deal. So he was placed on a 10-day IL on July 27th, and it's the 13th of August. So it certainly is a bigger deal than a, than a contusion, which is just a bruise, right? Um, the Braves GM – said Dansby Swanson isn't close to return. So certainly the red flags are starting to come up. You don't know if there might be some bone involvement. There's tons of tiny bones there. Uh, We could be looking at a deep bruise that maybe went into the calcaneus or that heel bone. And this is, you have to think about this, the stresses along the foot during a baseball game and just that repetitive motion, the banging. If if you have a bone bruise of some type, it's just going to flare up every time you, you go to do baseball activities. So I have written here possibly more than a contusion. I haven't heard anything from the beat writers saying anything, anything other than a contusion, but that, that was July 27th, and now it's August 13th. We would expect a bruise to have healed up, get some of that swelling out of there, get the pain down by now. Um, and for the gym to even come out and say he isn't close to returning, that's a little I'm, – I'm concerned here, Brandon. There's definitely a red flag. I mean, we've all – had bruises and obviously there's different forms of bruises in terms of depth and bone bruise versus a versus a a muscular bruise but being that's been so long and he's quote unquote not anywhere close to returning red flags are definitely being raised here and something to keep a very close eye on if you're a Braves fan or just a fan of of great young players in the game of baseball in general so not the typical return to play timetable that we would see with if it was just a foot contusion, but you hit the nail on the head. Something that should have everybody on high alert here and keep an eye on, on the reports and tweets from beat writers and, and the team as well just to see really what truly is going on here with that foot. And, and not in my waiver wire uh, column this week, but Charlie Colberson has been feeling, filling in for short, uh, as shortstop for, uh, for the Braves hitting 315, and he's a fan favorite. So go, go get Charlie Colberson while you can. So you got a couple bonus nuggets with Manaya and then Culverson. So you got to take what you can get here on the Fantasy Doctors Major League Baseball podcast. In addition to the waiver wire column, we'll hit here in just a little bit. Corey Kluber, as we seem to talk about every week, just because he's on my Cleveland Indians and he's been out forever. 
has been dealing with an ulnar fracture. He made a rehab start last week. That was on Thursday. Two runs, two hits, two Ks across three innings. That was the first time he had appeared in a game since May 1st. And then he actually, just moments ago, finished his second rehab outing. This was it with double A. He went four innings, giving up two hits, one earned run, one home run, and striking out six batters, 60 pitches, 36 strikes. So a little bit better outing than he had his first time out, a few more pitches. Then he had his first time out, and he continues to track in the correct direction. Just really trying to get back into baseball shape, Aaron, as we've discussed before. It's just super important for these guys who've been out for a period of time, especially a pitcher, to really gradually get back into their, their pitching volume, their pitching velocity before they come back up to the big league club. So he's looking like he's getting close. I would anticipate hopefully by the time we speak next he'll have another rehab starter two under his belt and then be back up in Cleveland for the Indians as, as they try and – uh, chase down the twins in the AL Central. Second guy that we usually talk about here on the Fantasy Doctors MLB podcast, Giancarlo Stanton, outfielder for the New York Yankees. Um, he's been out since the end of June with a PCL strain, so that sprain. So that's the uh, posterior cruciate ligament, the, the the brother or sister of the ACL, which just runs in the opposite direction, stops posterior translation of that shin bone along the femur. Uh, so yeah, so he's dealing with that. He's been dealing with that sprain since the end of June. He's rehabbing. It seems like countless injuries. Um, but according to the Athletics, Lindsey Adler, Stanton has been able to throw throw and hit off a tee, and he's also resumed running in an anti-gravity treadmill. So that's your Alter G treadmill. Or do, do you guys have one at your clinic, Brandon? We we don't. Not at our clinic specifically. There are um, some Athletico clinics in the greater Chicagoland area that do have them. They're obvi- I was looking at them the other day just to look at the cost, and the cost is just absolutely outrageous. But mm-hmm. If you have access to, to one, it's certainly a great resource and a great tool. And obviously, professional sports teams probably have access to them. And so it's a great tool for Stanton and the Yankees. Definitely. And we'll probably see Stanton sometime before 2019 is over. The Yankees are a lock for the playoffs at this point, so we could see him then. And just going back to that treadmill, what, what the anti-gravity treadmill does, is that, or that Alter-G is usually the most common uh, brand name that you see. Just helps to take weight off off your lower extremities. So if you are coming back from a from an ACL or a PCL, MCL, any any lower half injury, um, you can get back to running sooner than later. It's essentially taking weight off that joint, so you can kind of get your running mechanics back, get some of that blood flow going, get those muscles in with some good blood, um, and just it it does speed up recovery. From what I've I've heard, I've never used one or even seen one in the clinic. But you, you hear great things about it, but like you were saying, Brandon, it uh, it's certainly not not nice to your wallet or your, or your clinic's uh, budget for sure. Yeah, I mean, it definitely takes takes a big chunk out of the budget. It would almost be something for a smaller clinic that you'd have to save probably your your budget up for a few years before you could even consider buying the thing. But uh, I, I've never used one. I, I've seen one clinically, obviously not in our practice. But I, I mean, I've only heard good things about the individuals who have used it. Waiver wire for real here, not uh, the Culverson and the Manias that we gave you just a little bit ago, but we got some real waiver wire ads here that Aaron's going to dive into here next. So you're going to have to excuse my pronunciation on this one. I've tried my best. We're looking at Aristides Aquino. You know who I'm talking about. It's the outfielder for the Cincinnati Reds, 74% owned in Yahoo Leagues. 52% in ESPN leagues, ESPN catch up, please, to the Yahoo owners. <laughs> so, so this guy's just been taking the MLB by storm. He's hit seven home runs in his last six games, and on the year he's hitting 429, eight home runs, and 16 RBIs in only 11 games. I mean, it, it, this is like a creative player in the show. 
that you just uh-huh. maxed out the 90. <laughs> so you're going to want to go pick this guy up before all your friends do. Maybe your friends don't check, check the waiver wire. Uh, but yeah, go pick this guy up. And the, the second guy is Gio Urshula, third baseman for the Yankees, 61% owned on Yahoo and 32% on ESPN. I'm just going to pull up his stats here from the last few games. We're looking at three for five, three for five, one for three, two for four, three for four, three for five. It, Wake up, people. Get, get the dang guy on your team. He's going to help you out here for the Yankees playoff stretch um, as well as your, as your uh, baseball, your fantasy baseball uh, playoff stretch here. Yeah, you certainly can. I always say this. You certainly can do worse at third base. And, and, uh, and, 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 and who did he play for before the Yankees? The, the Cleveland Indians. And it was not good. No? Nope. He had every every opportunity to do things at the plate, and he, he couldn't hit. He, I mean, he can field with the best of him. He's got a great glove. Saw him on SportsCenter Top 10 the other night, but he just couldn't figure it out at the plate. And then he goes to New York, and he's tearing the cover off the floor. The, 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 the Indians and the, the – I guess they're just stealing the, the, the strategy of the Pittsburgh Pirates. They, they just wait until players are so bad, and then they trade them or let them go, like Jose Bautista – then and then they just blow up. So that's the way it goes sometimes. Here, here we go. We're going to my favorite segment, Brandon. What do we have this day in baseball history? This is what we got. 1906. John W. Taylor is a pitcher, and he was replaced by a reliever for the first time since 1901. Okay, this is 1906, and this is the first time that a reliever had come in to relieve him from his duties in five years. And this was they were playing wow. against the Brooklyn. Super Boz, and they knocked him out of the game in the third inning. During that five-year span, he had pitched 1,727 innings, which included 187 complete games, as well as coming in 15 games in relief. Jeez. I have two comments to respond to this. The first one, I don't think Dr. Tommy John or Tommy John himself would like to hear that. No. And, and number two, I, you were saying that, and I had to wonder, did he never get taken out for a reliever because he just threw the ball over the center field fence like Trevor Bauer? He just refused <laughs> yeah. to give up the ball. You know, you know, he, he might have been doing that and then playing with uh, the early stages of a drone uh, back in 19, 1906 <laughs> as well. Um, so who knows? Who knows? We can, we can only wonder what happened back in 1906. Pure speculation. 1915, 1951, this was, uh, I believe, for, let's see here, this was at Ebbets Field. Any fan who showed up to the game that night with a musical instrument during the Dodgers music musical depreciation night got admitted to the game for free against Boston. Uh, there were an assortment of instruments that were brought by fans and spectators to the game to include trumpets, trombones, zithers, whatever that is, tubas, accordions, bugles, flutes, Various types of drums, violins, mandolins, assorted horns, a glockenspiel, a washboard, and a piano were brought to the game. Two thousand. to say piano. <laughs> well, there it was. 2,426 fans uh, participated in the promotion, which ended up being about 10% of the total crowd. And, I mean, you got in free if you brought a musical instrument back in 1951. So a unique promotion that I don't think uh, I've ever heard of before, except for this occurrence in 1951. That's different for sure. You see in the soccer matches, like during the World Cup, the Vuvuz 
Zuelas, this would be a little bit different and I'm, I'm sure a little bit more distracting for, for batters and pitchers you had, if you had all those going on at once. Yeah, I mean, really thinking that they're, they're taking things to the next level here before Vuvuzuelas became a thing. So I think it all started here. <laughs> 2006, Travis Hafner for my Cleveland Indians. Uh, I remember this year like it was yesterday. Cleveland uh, had scored 11 runs in the first inning. This is a game at Jacobs Field. Travis Hafner hit a grand slam, which was his sixth grand slam of the season, which tied Don Mattingly's record, which was set in 1987. And for the rest of that season, I was really pulling for Hafner to hit another one to break the record. He never did. But six grand slams for one player in the same season. I think the, the Indians just hit like their second or third Grand Slam as a team the other night. So for one player to hit six on his own is pretty impressive. That is, that's very cool. That's a good stat. It is. And this is episode eight now in the books. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening to the show. This season's flying by. We've got about a month and a half left, a few episodes to go. Our duties will end once the regular season concludes. So we'll be with you guys until the end of September. Aaron, the newly having passed his boards, doctor of physical therapy, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? I, I, I try to think something. I try to think of something every episode. What I'm going to say at the end gives me a little bit of anxiety. Um, <laughs> the, the time comes quicker than I expect it to, but I, I'll, I'll always go what I have in my back pocket. Just thank you guys for listening. Uh, every every like, subscribe, repost. We, we appreciate it just to get the fantasy doctor name out there. Uh, we truly appreciate it just to take time out of your, out of your commute. I'm sure you want to listen to Taylor Swift or some Rihanna, but <laughs> if you're going to let us come through your speakers, uh, we, we couldn't be more thankful for that. We appreciate that uh, for our MLB podcast and for all of the other content we provide. Be sure to stay up to date at the Fantasy Doctors Twitter, Twitter handle at the Fantasy DRS. NFL season is right around the corner. Fantasy football is almost here. Great content being put out by our physicians as well as our physical therapists that we have on staff here at the Fantasy Doctors. So be sure to check that out and get yourself the edge over your fantasy football league mates. Find me on Twitter at BLBowers12. Aaron, as we mentioned earlier, at AaronBerger underscore PT. Fantasy Doctors website where you can consume all of our content, all of our injury profiles for all things baseball, football, basketball, www.thefantasydoctors.com. And as Aaron mentioned, download and review us wherever you consume your podcast. We appreciate every like, subscribe, repost, and we are grateful for each and every one of you. We'll be back with you in two weeks or two and a half weeks. We're working out the the details. Aaron's going to be passing through the great Buckeye State and going to be here in the great city of Columbus here in a couple weeks. And so if we can work things out, we may be doing a live show. And if that's the case, then it will be a little bit longer in between episodes. If that doesn't end up working out, you can expect us to be back at our normal bi-weekly time slot. So until then, reach out to us on Twitter. If you have any comments or, or questions, be it fantasy baseball or fantasy football, and we'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks.